On today's show, yes, it is true that the San Diego Padres are expected to roll back a little bit in their payroll, but in honor of Cyber Monday as well, let's still talk about the top free agents of this 2024 free agent class, including a little fellow you might have heard of named Shohei Otani. Is it feasible? Is it possible? Well, whatever. It's still fun to talk about. So let's get into it. You are locked on Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Monday. November 27th. As always, I'm your host with sometimes occasionally, but I promise you, certainly, certainly promise you, not always the most, Javier Reyes. You can follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres. If you want only tweets about the Padres and such instead of my dumb crap posting, don't worry, I got you covered there. Also, Locked On Padres on YouTube to see whatever fit I'm rocking and whatever's going on with Tatis and Pac-Man as my little uh, collectibles on there. Feel free to subscribe there as well. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. It's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Folks, today's a fun episode. It's Monday. I hope you all had a splendid, splendid holiday break. Perhaps you had it with just a, a whole huge family and you were feasting, or it was just a few people like me. I was just with my mom for Thanksgiving and we had some really yummy food. We got a little pecan pie action going, you know what I mean? A la mode, get a little bit of ice cream, you know what I mean? Now I gotta you know, start exercising again, unfortunately. And now we are at Cyber Monday. And I think that in honor of Cyber Monday, I thought that'd be kind of fun to start talking about free agents. Um, and today's episode is going to be focusing on the top free agents. And while I do question whether or not the Padres can actually sign any of the top free agents, I lean towards no. I figured that it'd be still cool to talk about them. And at the very least, just kind of um, Cyber Monday sometimes is fun in my experience for just adding stuff to your list, even though you know you still probably can't get it. And for me, um, I just think that that's kind of fun. So we're going to talk about some of these free agents, even if I don't think they're going to get them. Although I do think that there are some that they could acquire if they wanted to, um, for sure. I don't think that just because their reduction on payroll is, is, is scheduled, that it means that they are completely out on everybody. I mean, heck, the Heyman was reporting they're in on Blake Snell. We'll talk about him in a second. My guideline for the top 15 free agents that we're going to be talking about is from The Athletic, uh, Keith Law. Uh, not necessarily because I think that his opinions are the best. I'll actually um, reference when I think that he ranked a player a little bit higher too low. Just give my personal spin on it. But I don't know. I think the article is just organized really well. And I think it has a couple really good pieces of information. So without further ado... Let's start. And you got to start with Shohei Otani, obviously. I mean, it's pretty nuts. Reading from the Athletic article, who else could it be? He was worth six wins above replacement this past year just as a position player. Ten wins above replacements in total between his bat and his arm and 6.2 R war in 2022 as a pitcher. So in theory, he could post a 12 war season and be the most valuable player ever if he comes back healthy from elbow surgery. He doesn't have to come close to that to be the top free agent this winter, but it's at least within the realm of possibility. Otani is still in his offensive peak years, leading the American League in homers, on-base percentage, and slugging this past season while posting career bests in walk and strikeout rates. The last one is the most impressive and the best sign going forward. Just two years ago, 
He punched out nearly 30% of the time, but he cut that down to 23.9% this year. He doesn't have a weakness. He's worse against left-handed pitching, sure, but he still hit 245, 365, 532 off them in, five, in 2023. The big thing with Shohei Otani is nothing with his skills. The big thing with Shohei Otani is, is he going to pitch again? Um, I would recommend everyone check out. I thought that Jeff Passan wrote a really great article when that injury was announced. They can go check out on ESPN. I'm pretty sure it's free. You can check that out. And on top of just the fact that I think that Passan is an excellent writer, just the, the flow of his writing just mechanically is incredible. He basically kind of concluded by saying, look, this guy has done all of the most incredible things we've ever seen in the sport. So doubt him at your own peril if you don't think he's going to try pitching again. But even if he doesn't, as Keith just mentioned there, he's still an incredible hitter. And arguably, in a lot of ways, more importantly, for Shohei Otani's case as a big-time free agent, is the marketability. I know that sounds crazy, but I remember there was some report, I think it was from MLB Network, that was saying that teams are viewing this like Messi. And I'm not saying Messi in terms of like Otani is like the greatest of all time, right? Like he's he's already, in my opinion, probably because of what's happened and what he does, like already earned a spot in the Hall of Fame uh, ballot at the very minimum that he'll be on the ballot, right? No matter what happens later. So that's incredible. But basically they said the marketability part, the fact that Messi went to Miami in the MLS and became a story. Heck, I watched some of the games and I don't, I'm not a big soccer guy. I have nothing against that. I just don't have time and whatnot. And, like, he just blew up that place. So I imagine that all sorts of owners are going to be interested. I would not sleep on the Mets. I know they said that they're they're trying to do rebuild, be a little bit smarter. I think that Steve Cohen, seeing all them ratings, he was watching the World Baseball Classic being engaged. I don't think that he is a feasible target for the Padres. I would love him for the Padres. And, frankly, if they somehow, all this was a red herring, they were playing possum, and they do go out and sign him, that would be nuts. Um, but I just don't know how it would fit with this team, given the reduction in payroll, given the fact that you have Juan Soto still on the books for this year. I think uh, estimated about like $30 million in arbitration is what he's estimated to get. I can go check that in a second. But I think with all of that, I just don't think that it's it's very plausible, right, for the for them to be able to do it. It's estimated on Spotrick at $27 million. I wouldn't be surprised if it's 30 So he's going to be making a lot of money this year. And with the spending reduction... And I get it. They've got some money coming off the books. I get that. But even still, uh, I just don't see a world in which this is a, a, a an option for the Padres. And it stinks because I would have loved it. And this is why, just as a reminder for everybody who might be disappointed that Shohei Otani is not a target for the Padres, I still think it's worth bringing this up every time we get into this topic is that this is why when I talk about when we're heading into free agency, why I'm not always like get the top free agent, get the top, because you never know who's going to become available. You never know what things are going to look like down the line, especially when you are already spending a lot of money, right? That's why years ago, when everyone was yelling at me, and I had somewhere screenshots of people mocking me for saying I didn't want Nick Castellanos or Chris Bryant. Now, I didn't think that, especially Bryant, would just completely like lose all power in his bat or that Castellanos would be this heinous. Um, on defense that it would almost take away what he does on offense, but I didn't expect that. It's not what I'm saying. Or Springer or some of these other guys uh, from that giant free agent class, Anthony Rizzo, right? I wasn't against signing them because I thought they wouldn't be good players. I just thought it wasn't the right time to strike. You know what I mean? You still had Machado, you still had Tatis, you still had some interesting prospects at the time with Gore being one of them, with C.J. Abrams. I was like, I want to wait a little bit. And then what happens? Juan Soto becomes more readily available. So I think that you should keep that in mind when the Padres whenever free agents are available, whatever the free agent class is. And I think that this is one of those free agent classes where 
unless you're one of those teams that's contending and you know you're going to be contending, I'd be a little bit careful to buy in on this free agent class. I overall don't think it's a very strong one. I think it's very top heavy. It's got some big names. We'll talk about some of them later. But to me, I just don't think I would spend on them. And Shohei Otani is the one guy that I don't care what team you are. He is absolutely worth it. He's worth it even with the injury because you might even theoretically get him at a discount. You know, And if you get him at a discount that, and he starts pitching next year, it's like, oh my God, like this guy's a super superstar. So me personally, I'm just rooting for him not go back to the Angels and also preferably not the Giants or Dodgers, although the baseball just connoisseur in me would prefer Giants or Dodgers over Angels just because I want to see him actually be somewhere that matters, dare I say, right? So that that's just me. I know that sounds like absolute like ridiculousness, obviously, for me to say that, but that's how I feel. Um, but, of course, he's not the only free agent uh, that the Padres could potentially be looking at, of course. We've got more on the way, ladies and gentlemen, but I've been talking a long time about Shohei Otani. We're not going to talk this much about every single player, but i got to take a quick second to talk to you about our good friends over at FanDuel. Look, if you were a fool yesterday and expected the Chargers to win, what can I tell you? You're a fool. I don't, I don't know how many times i got to say this. If you're expecting the Cleveland Browns without a quarterback to stay as good as they've been all year, well, i got news for you. And guess what? If you know these things, you can make some money. You can make some money line bets. And over at FanDuel, They've got you covered. Right now, new customers get $150 as bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Not bad, right? Not too shabby. I like that deal very much. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get on the action. If you don't want to just bet the team and you feel good about a certain player, don't worry. They got you. They got you on point spreads. They got you on player props. They got you on over-unders. Oh, will Keenan Allen have more than 15 catches because Justin Herbert and the Chargers have no other competent receivers on their team because they drafted the wrong one? Yeah, you could probably bet the over on Keenan Allen receiving yards and catches every week, and you probably could do well there. So go check that out, guys. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to kick off your NFL season of betting. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, here on Locked Up Padres Podcast. Thank you for making us your first listen every day, free and available on all platforms. Again, hope everyone had a very nice, splendid holiday break. I know I certainly enjoyed the flack I got for a Blake Snell tweet uh, saying he gone, and it got like 800 likes or whatever it was, and people saying, yeah, he's gone, but this guy's an idiot. He has the worst Padres podcast, all that stuff. I was like, look, man, it was just a joke. And speaking of Blake Snell, He's actually not the number two free agent, according to Keith Law. It is Cody Bellinger of the Chicago Cubs this year, slash 307, 356, 525 slugging, total bounce back, basically became what he was um, back with the Dodgers, which hopefully, I'm really hoping that the Dodgers aren't going to like bring him back and be like, all right, we sent him on sabbatical for a year, and now he's ready to come back to us. Hopefully that doesn't happen. I don't think it would, I, although it would be hilarious. Bellinger is a fascinating free agent because he was hurt and had all these weird issues. But even if he was hurt, the guy was still pretty bad. He was basically the Dodgers' Trent Grisham. Um, still a pretty capable defensive player. Um, for the Padres, this would be great, obviously. If you could somehow swap in, uh, you can trade Grisham as part of a package, send Zavala and you know some other guys and whatever, get a good, good backup 
you know, back-end starter or maybe some bullpen help. I'd love that. And then you sign Cody Bellinger, of course. That would be a lot of fun. But again, I think the guy's going to be too pricey. I think that there's a, a world where, and as Keith Law mentions, he thinks free agent market runs on recency bias, and I think he'll get six- and seven-year offers approaching $200 million. I do not think that that is a feasible uh, offer for the Padres to be able to stomach, at least right now. Um, they could have before, maybe, and I'm not necessarily hating on it because it's true. Um, Bellinger had an incredible year, but you still got to remember, yes, he was hurt, but still, those previous years, he was a mess. Like, it's really crazy how bad he was. And this was such an improvement for him that, like, he's, in my opinion, aside from Otani, like, I understand him being number two. He is one of the most fascinating free agents. Because if you just look at, like, every, if you looked at weighted on base, literally only Trent Grisham was as bad as him offensively uh, for the past few years specifically. And I've looked this up many times since the second half of 2021. I like bringing up second half for Grisham of 2021 because that's when it really fell off. He was good in the uh, first half. Of 2021, by the way. If you go look that up, he was actually quite good. And I thought I was... My little Dark Horse MVP talk, I thought that might actually work out. But it didn't. Um, So Bellinger, really super stud. I actually think the Cubs, it'd be interesting if they don't re-sign him after him being, like, their MVP candidate and, like, kind of bringing them back from the brink and being really surprising and making them competitive. So really curious to see where he goes. Don't sleep on the Giants, though, because I do think the Giants are going to be spending big time. Um, so every free agent I bring up, in fact, I think is a target for the Giants, which which worries me. Um, number four, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, right-handed pitcher. I mean, he says Yamamoto might be the best pitcher in MPB right now, and his stuff should certainly allow him to be above average starter here. He's got incredible extension. Um, it's impossible to know what pitch is coming. This guy is a stud, um, and I'm really, really excited. And hey, I remember... It feels like, I don't know about you guys, but it feels like a lot of the international free agent signings of late have been, just been all bangers. You know, we, we've, we've got Hassan Kim, obviously, with us. We have, um, who was it for the Mets? Kodai Senga was really, really good this year. Like, low-key, I think he was, like, fourth in ERA. Like, he was good, the ghost fork pitch or whatever. Um, really, really cool. It's, it's a little bit of an unusual delivery, but the extension helps. Allows him to get more spin on the ball, more vertical, more horizontal stuff. He just tricks you. Uh, he's not an overpowering pitcher or anything like that, but like in terms of velocity, but he's really good. Um, I would love him, but my problem is with the reduction, I'm going to say this a lot, so my apologies for repeating myself, but with the position the Padres are in, Yamamoto is not some like under-the-radar free agent. Like He's just not. So I don't see a world in which the Padres get him, although it wouldn't surprise me if they're interested. I imagine you're going to get a bunch of reports on that, but in general, I just think that um, Yamamoto is just too many teams they're in on him. I know the Yankees are reportedly in on him. They're not going to be in on Otani, but they're really in on Yamamoto. All the biggest teams are in on this guy, uh, pretty much. So I'm really curious to see where he ends up signing. But again, I don't think that this is a target for the Padres, um, even if I do think in theory he could make less money than, say, Blake Snell, right? Or Aaron Nola, who just got paid, by the way. Um, didn't mention him. Uh, because he was number three. I forgot to mention Aaron Nola, uh, a pitcher that I was not interested in at all, if I'm the Padres, because that guy is inconsistent king, and I just do not like that. Um, with all the inconsistencies on the Padres, that would just worry me. Uh, he signed a seven-year, 172 uh, contract with the Phillies. I bet you he has a good year next year, but then every year after that is going to be weird for him. So wasn't big on Nola, very big on Yamamoto, especially because I think he's going to cost a lot less um, because that's just what usually happens with international free agents, especially from Japan and the the KBO. So 
We'll see how that goes. Um, number, let's see, what number are we on here? Sunny Gray actually just signed this morning, and I'm not surprised that we're getting some agent signings. We actually got Jason Hayward as well. He re-signed with the Dodgers. A little unfortunate because they really brought the best out of him that he's seen in a while. He's 33. Sonny Gray's been good before. He's actually someone I thought the Padres... I heard like little tiny, tiny rumblings that they might have been interested in him at one point in time. Makes sense. He's really solid, but he's 33. And I don't like that he didn't, he didn't miss a single start. Um, he led the American League in FIP. And he finished second in both Base War and F War. Baseball Reference War and Fangraphs F War. Um, Fangraphs War. Thanks to a combination of some of the best control. He had really good home run rate stuff. I just feel like a regression is due. Um, he just signed with the Cardinals, I believe. Let me see if I can find um, what he actually signed for. I actually don't have it right off the top of my head. Um, but he signed with the Cardinals. Congratulations, by the way, to the Cardinals finally investing in starting pitching. I know that must really... Uh, be surprising for a lot of Cardinals fans and for them. He got, let's see here, let's see here, three years, 75. Now, I would love if the Padres were like, you know what, we'll let you do big contracts, but it's only for short term. If that were the case, I would love that. Because a three-year deal for a pitcher like Sonny Gray, not too bad, especially when you take into account that he is 33 and we don't know if like this was just that one final, not final, but like this was the best it was going to get, contract year and all that stuff, so... Again, I'd be interested in that, but again, I, I, I'm not freaking out. I like the idea of the Lugo Michael Waka, which we're going to be talking about later in the week. But um, shouts to him. Jordan Montgomery, number six on Keith Law's list. This year, 3.2 ERA over 188 and two-thirds innings pitched. Um, he is this year's postseason super stud. Every year, there is a guy who goes nuts in the postseason, um, or at least plays above. And it's usually like decent players. Um, for example, who's the guy? Who's the guy that's on the Dodgers? Chris Taylor. Chris Taylor is like a really solid player for the um, the Dodgers, right? But after he he had like an amazing postseason um, in twenty twenty two, or I'm sorry, in twenty twenty one, he overall had a great season. It was his first All Star selection as well. Twenty home runs um, to go with that. Thirteen stolen bases. Good on base percentage. Just a really nice, solid utility player. But what happens sometimes when you extend utility players? And what happened is he had such an amazing postseason that it happened. And then the year after, 221, 304, 373. He's basically their Jay Cronenworth in a lot of ways, uh, the Dodgers. So, hey, probably not the only one who makes mistakes with these guys. Um, and this year he was slightly better with a 420 slugging percentage. That was a lot helpful. Slightly better. He's a decent player, but that postseason was huge for him. I think Jordan Montgomery is a little bit the same. He's a solid starting pitcher. Um, and I do like that after undergoing Tommy John, he hasn't really missed time since then. I do like that. And I do like that his whole thing was just being solid before. I do like that. Like a solid starting pitcher. And frankly, it was kind of amazing that the Cardinals had acquired him um, last year from the Yankees. Like looking back, that's kind of wild that they gave up just Harrison Bader for him. And then here he is being a postseason hero and apparently just big wife guy with uh, what was the comment he said? that uh, She likes how dumb I am. <laughs> Or something like that. That's why it works. <laughs> I was like, what a king. Uh, so love Jordan Montgomery. Um, could be an option for the Padres. I don't think that this would be a giant deal. Um, I do think that the postseason stuff um, is going to be a big part of this. I do think that the home run stuff scares me. 37 homers since the start of 2022. Um, that does worry me a little bit. But I just think he's solid. 
Um, but again, is he solid enough for me to want to pay that overpay? In my opinion, the over, not overpay, that's a, the, the bump that he's going to get because of the postseason. In my opinion, no. I'm still com- comfortable with the Darvish, Musgrove, Lugo, Waka, World, that sort of thing. So I'm cool with that. Um, but hey, whoever gets him could be great. Next pitcher up, Blake Snell. I know, this is weird. I have to admit, kind of wild that our guy Keith put Jordan Montgomery and Sonny Gray ahead of Blake Snell. To me, that's a little bit nuts. 31 years old, 2.25 ERA. He had a six base war, 4.1 F4, although I don't like using that too much for pitchers. 180 innings pitched. And basically, he brings up all the examples that I brought up. Um, I've talked about Blake Snell a bunch, whether or not the Padres can re-sign him. They're reportedly interested. I love him. Again, that tweet that I posted over the weekend was mostly a joke. Um, I know that he's from Seattle. You guys don't have to yell at me. I'm very, very well aware. Um, just go look at the Lockdown Padres account to see some of the replies to that. I'm very well aware. And you know what? I might do that again just to mess with people. I'm going to post that when he when he's like at a Washington, like the football game. I might do it again just to mess with people. But um, I agree with um, Keith's points that he makes here. He's led his league in ERA twice, 2023 and 2018, when he also won the Cy Young. But those are also the only two seasons when he's thrown more than 130 innings. And a big part of his performance this year was unusual success in stranding runners on base. His left on base percent was 86.7%, the highest in baseball by more than six points. That's not sustainable. And when you're walking as many guys as he does, and you aren't stranding runners at a league leading rate, and you, hold on, and you aren't stranding runners at league leading rates, you're going to give up more runs, which is what his FIP of 3.44 indicates. Now, 3.44 FIP. Not the worst in the world. Not the worst. He's a good pitcher, just not a number one starter or someone who projects to sub three ERAs. And he hasn't been very durable in his career. If someone's paying him to be a mid-rotation guy, they'll capture some upside in his healthy years to make up for the years when he can't pitch as much. But if he gets paid like a number two or better, he probably won't produce up to the level of the contract. Now, I still think that him being listed behind Gray and behind Jordan Montgomery is a little bit unfair. And I get it. I really like Jordan Montgomery, but Jordan Montgomery is also 31. It's not like he has age going for him either. And again, I talked about this and not to mention the really good Padres defense behind him, not to mention Ruben Niebla. I think he would be great if he was with the Padres next year, but the amount that it's going to cost, it's probably in the Robbie Ray range, um, but probably more um, because of the Cy Young win. And in my opinion, I don't think the Padres pitching staff and their payroll situation is conducive to them being able to bring him back. Um, I, I do think he's gone. I think a lot of people think he's gone. I just don't think that it's it's the right team for him. If I'm a team like the Orioles, if I'm a team like the Cardinals, if I'm a team like the, let me think here. Um, I know the Braves have been rumored. Um, the Giants, the Dodgers. I think those teams make a lot more sense because they desperately need pitching. I know that sounds crazy for me to say that, considering that Musgrove and Darvish got hurt and Lugo and Watt. I don't think that if you bring... Lugan Waka back that you're like DEFCON 1. Not to mention that you have a big farm, and some of your farm includes Robbie Snelling and Dylan Lesko. Um, Snelling, who could be ready to debut for the Padres potentially next year if they need him, right? So I don't think the Padres are on DEFCON 4 for pitching. They're like on a DEFCON 2 to 3. Uh, where I would like another starter, I don't think it needs to be an ace. So I'm okay with passing on Snell in the baseball sense, in a vibes and make me happy sense. I'm going to miss you, buddy. I'm really going to miss you. Very, very much so. Um, But guys, we're going to take a quick break, hear a couple words from our sponsors, and then we're going to get back, talk about the remaining free agents um, from this list, including one other international folk from the KBO that's very, very good that I want to talk about real quick. Right after this. (laughs) 
and we are back, ladies and gentlemen, here on Lockdown Padres. Let's get into it. Let's keep it going. No time to waste. Keeping up the free agents. Eduardo Rodriguez is the next one. 3.30 ERA. This is a FIP king. This guy, because he had a low FIP for years. Then he had that weird first reason, season with the Tigers. And then he decided to stay with the Tigers. Very famously, if you remember, one of the funnier things that happened this year is that they tried to trade him to the Dodgers. And the guy said no. And a lot of people were giving him flack for that. Like, oh, he doesn't want to win. Maybe he's just content with his life. This is a guy who just kind of had to leave the team for a bit last year. And maybe he said, look, I'm making money and I'm happy where I am. Like, maybe he just likes living in Detroit. He likes his living situation. That's why players like negotiating these things into their contracts. I don't know why people were getting him, giving him crap for exercising something that he got in his deal. That's just ridiculous to me. But Eduardo Rodriguez, solid starter. Um, Really solid starter. Um, He's definitely more of a mid-rotation guy, in my, my opinion. But I think that he's better than, say, uh, who, like, I think he could be a better pitcher than Sonny Gray and Marcus Stroman and Jordan Montgomery even. I think that he's got that upside. And I think that for years, he's getting a little bit unlucky with the defense. And I know the Tigers are a little bit better, but, like, the Red Sox were really a mess with that. So I kind of like him. I like him as a pitcher, but I just don't know how much he's going to cost on an average annual value sort of sense. And I think in general, that's my thing on starting pitchers this year. There's a dearth of free agents in general. I forgot if that word means lot or little. Am I using that correctly? A scarcity. Okay, there is a dearth of pitchers um, around. Uh, or dearth, I'm sorry, a dearth of free agents overall. So as a result, people are going to want those top starting pitchers, in my opinion, because I feel like this is just how it goes. You can never have too much pitching, right? So the top guys are going to go for probably more money, and there's going to be someone that gets overpaid. I'm not saying it's Eduardo. I'm not even saying it's Blake Snell. But I think one of these guys is going to get overpaid because they were the best available starting pitcher. And that's what happens. And considering that it's not like there's all that many position players either, that's why. I mean, the next guy that we're talking about is a great example of that, and that's Matt Chapman. Third baseman, 240, 330, 424 slash line, 3.5 F4 if you go by that. Man, I love Matt Chapman for a while. Uh, Defensive stud, really like him. Um, He's going to give you great defense, and he's going to give you power. Um, This past year, if I'm not mistaken, let me see how many home runs. He actually only had 17 home runs this year, which is weird. Might have got a little bit unlucky in that regard in terms of, like, home run fly ball rates. But 17 home runs, and he's had, like, I thought this guy was an MVP candidate for a while. And he's a solid player, don't get me wrong. He was a little bit weird in 2020 when he hit below, uh, his odd base was below 300. But in general, strikes out way too much, 27%. Um, in 2022, 28.4% this year. His isolated power went down by nearly 20 points. He had a 319 BABIP, which is much higher than his career norm. Um, look, I think he's a solid player. And in general, I do remember saying that if the Padres didn't resign uh, Manny Machado last year, that I was like, I'm totally cool with taking a flyer on Matt Chapman. Then he was on fire for a little bit, and then he tailed off, which is unfortunate. But um, as Keith uh, brings up here, Never a great hitter for average or on base ability. He lost something at the plate as well, struggling more than ever with velocity. He whiffed 17.9% of the time on pitches 95 plus, up from 13.2% over the 2021-2022 period, and had more of his bad balls go to the opposite field than in any prior season in his career. In fact, all eight extra base hits he had that left the infield on pitches 95 plus mile per hour went the other way. He hasn't lost strength, certainly, with extremely strong exit velocity and hard hit rates, but he lost some bat speed. And while he's young for what 
for that to be happening, it's at least a cause for concern going forward. It's also always possible it's a one-year blip, and the five war version is still in there, but I price him some I'd price in some of this early decline risk into any offer. Um, I agree. I agree. Now, if we didn't have Manny Machado, I'd be all over this guy. Um, because my thing would have been, you probably don't have to pay too much for him, and at least you know you're going to get a good glove. And heck, maybe they can figure something out. Um, although I don't trust the Padres' development when it comes to hitters. Um, so solid player. Would I have preferred him over Machado? Obviously not in a vacuum. If I knew that we didn't extend Machado that that could maybe give us more leverage in extending Soto, and maybe we get Chapman instead, that I might have been on. But again, these are all theoretical. Next free agent I want to talk about, Lee Jung-ho. Ooh, Jung-ho Lee. I'm really excited about this guy. Really excited. Outfielder in this past year for the Kim Heroes, 318, 406, 455 slash line. He's a contact hitter. This guy might be a... In, in a way, a Jay Cronenworth type. The guy doesn't whiff on anything. Um, he might be a Stephen Kwan type. I think that's a really great comp. And I'm going to bring, to go even further that comp. Um, in these past few years, in 2022, in 245 games, since the start of 2022, with two strikes, he has a swing percentage of 66%, a zone contact rate of 98%, a swinging strike rate, strike rate of only 3.9%, and he's slugging 450 in two strike counts. In all counts, swing percentage is 41%. Zone contact, 97.5. Swing and strike percentage, 3.2%. Slugging at 530. So the guy hits for, he can get some extra base hits. Well, the big thing is he's a hitter's hitter. And I've actually been told, and I can't like necessarily back this up with a stat because you have to go through all the pitches, but um, apparently, Jung Ho Lee has apparently not swung and missed at a fastball with two strikes since 2021. Those are video game numbers. That's the type of stuff that you hear like on a next-gen stats thing, and you're like, what the heck? The guy doesn't swing and a miss. And the Padres have had decent luck in the KBO. You know what? He's 25 and he's an outfielder, right? And as he mentions here, he led the league with a 5.1% strikeout rate, and no one else was below 8. Look, obviously, um, this is the type of guy that if you were to sign him, could he struggle a little bit at first? Yeah. So did Hassan Kim out of the KBO, and that turned out pretty damn well. I think, I think, genuinely really do believe that if the Padres are going to get a top free agent, Jung Ho Lee is the number one guy. You could potentially, and by the way, this is baking in, let's say they have to trade Soto. You trade Soto, or um, let's say there's two things that happen. You trade Soto, replace him with Jung Ho Lee. Right? Maybe you could play outfield, left, left field, something like that. You have Grisham there still. I know it would be crazy if we still have Grisham. Or whatever. You bring him in. He could be a solid pitch, bat-to-ball skills guy. I already mentioned those whiff stats. Really love him in that department. Or you keep Soto this year, and then you trade Grisham and a couple other guys. Go get yourself a starting pitcher. Maybe Corbin Burns is out there somehow. Maybe somehow you give up a haul for Dylan Cease or Tyler Glass now. One of those, some of the big-name markets, uh, guys on the market apparently, the trade market. You keep Soda for one more year, and then you say, screw it. If we lose in a free agency, that's fine, but we'll bring in this guy and have an outfield of potentially, again, I'm just I'm just daydreaming. We're just having fun today. It's Cyber Monday. What do you want from me? Soto, Jung-Ho Lee, Tatis. I like it. If he's not good immediately in center field, no problem. You maybe have someone like Jose Ozocar to take place. Maybe you have our boy Jackson Merrill. Maybe you call him up. You do what you did with Abrams and Hassan Kim. Now, I think that... You shouldn't have called up Abrams. But Jackson Merrill seems like he's a little bit more ready. 
You know what I mean? Abrams, it didn't seem like he was actually ready. Jackson Merrill does seem like we could see it. Now, I, I know that this is just daydreaming, but say Jung Ho Lee struggles or whatever, but like, and I imagine if he struggled that like you're paying him a contract so he'd still play there. But if things go bad, I could see a world where Jackson Merrill's like a bench player. Maybe you bring him in every now and then. You bench some guys. Maybe you can move off Cronenworth. I think that this is the most exciting potential top-level free agent for the Padres to get. I already, I already mentioned that stuff. I like a hitter's hitter because I need someone who I can count on. Just give me a good at-bat, especially in this Padres lineup that did not do that last year. So I know I'm just daydreaming. Not Maybe not super realistic, but I like it. And hey. They clearly are not going to shy away from international free agents from the KBO, from Japan, from wherever. So I'm really excited about that. Next free agents, just to quickly skim through, uh, that I want to talk about. Marcus Stroman. Um, he had a 2.47 ERA and 3.34 FIP on July 1st, but he cratered uh, in late June. A little bit of a diva, which I don't love. Um, not that all these other guys I haven't talked about are definitely not divas. I don't know. But a little bit of a diva. I think he's a solid pitcher. And I will say, I do like some of the intangibles. Sometimes, despite being a diva, I do like a guy who has a little bit of an edge to him. He feels like the type of guy that could absolutely, like in a big start, show up for you. Or in like a playoff start, show up for you. Not bad. Not bad, actually. Um, as he mentions here, he made 50 starts in two years for the Cubs with 275 innings total in those seasons after a full and very effective year for the Mets in 2021. So I'd expect the market to discount him a little for the lower workloads, which I think puts him right around that same salary he walked away from by opting out, just perhaps for another three-year deal rather than one. If you if Stroman is someone you can get for like 12, 15 million a year, I know that sounds like wishful thinking, especially in a, a market like I was mentioning earlier with Montgomery. Wouldn't hate it. Wouldn't hate it. I would not hate it. Although I don't like that sometimes he gets lit up. And again, he's a little bit of a diva in a, in a lot of ways. But I'm not going to get into that. Especially because I do know some other stuff. Shoto Imanaga, left-handed pitcher. Yokohama base stars. He was very good last year. Not going to lie, I don't know too much. But he has a really great four-pitch mix that helps him project as a middle rotation starter. Not going to get as much as Yamamoto, obviously. But um, as Keith Law mentions here, aim for more... You know, the Kode Senga five-year $75 million deal. Um, and that was a huge bargain. So don't sleep on this guy um, if you're trying to go bargain bin hunting. Although I already told you, I don't necessarily know if I want to go for the top free agent pitchers because I think there's going to be a lot of overpays. That's just me. Um, Kyle Hendricks. Yeah, I know. That's, guys, this is not a great starting pitching class. But, but how much is this guy going to cost? Probably not much. If the Padres say... Let's bring in one of two Lugo or Waka, and they say we'll get Kyle Hendricks for barely anything. I don't mind it. I don't mind. It's not the worst idea in the world. But this is a little bit of a bounce back year for him, and he looks like he fell off. This is not a guy who pitches for strikeouts. Makes me nervous. Makes me nervous. It makes me feel like he just had that one extra good year, and this could go south fast. I'm not saying south in the sense of um, um, Rich Hill bad, right? Like where he fell off. But I don't know. He, um, he He's just a little bit scary with some injuries piling up. I don't like him as much. Heimer Candelario, third base. Obviously, we don't need him. Um, could he be a potential DH for them? Maybe. Maybe. Uh, but he's, you know, he's a potential two-and-a-half win type of guy. I think he could be interesting. Career high in home runs with 22 and a 117 WRC+. Plus. Um, I don't know. Um, I don't know. 
Eh, I don't know. But if he's an average defender, could you slot him in as a DH guy? I don't know, man. I don't know. He could be interesting if you got him for less and if we knew Manny was out for a little bit. And he could be like that replacement guy. That'd be interesting. But I don't think Candelari makes sense for this team. Infielders in general don't really make sense for this team. Except for the last guy we're going to talk about, Reese Hoskins, first baseman. I only want to talk about Hoskins in this sense. If there is a trade that can you can offload Jake Cronenworth. Now, I don't think that they're going to be able to because I think seven years is too much. Probably going to have to attach a prospect. Like I said, maybe can you send him to a team that's rebuilding? Sure. Send him to the Brewers, whatever. They probably won't care. But you probably have to give up a decent prospect with that. I don't know what they're going to do with him. I cannot believe they gave him that seven-year extension. I st- still can't believe it. If somehow they move off of it, Reese Hoskins is a fascinating flyer in a similar vein of Michael Conforto. Guy who missed a year, is going to be entering free agency. Guy who probably would have got paid more, would have been viewed higher before entering the market, if not for the injury. Um, Hoskins hits for a lot of power. He's annoyingly streaky. He's eh. At first base sometimes, and actually quite frustrating. But his 2022 WRC Plus of 122 would have tied him for fifth among qualified first basemen in baseball last year with Paul Goldschmidt. His potential for that should at least get him some high-value one-year offers in 20 million range, although he should be looking at three-year deals at a similar AAV. Even if, even if they don't move off Cronenworth, one year for Hoskins as your DH who can be frustrating. Hoskins goes dead at points. That's just what he does historically. But he's a below-average kind of defender. One year, take a flyer on him, similar to what the Cubs did with Cody Bellinger. He's the other one that I want to look at. So Jung-Ho Lee and Ree Hoskins. Those are two free agents that I'm keeping my eye on. And obviously, this a lot depends on what they do with Soto, if they're going all in, whatever they're doing, right? You bring him in to be kind of your DH... Not bad. Now, the problem is, will he want to sign and play as a DH, right? Or maybe he's a part-time DH, whatever it is. I don't know, right? Now, I, I would prefer figuring it out, but the Cronenworth thinks throws such a monkey wrench in, in this whole thing because, you know, Cronenworth already got paid, but Hoskins and Agent, they're going to probably want him playing first because that gives you more value, right? So I could see that, but even still... Um, with this Padres team, he's the type of guy that could carry your offense for a week. Might go dead quiet for the week after, but as a DH, he would be pretty amazing, man. I'd be pretty fascinating, but I just don't see him uh, necessarily doing that and maybe devaluing him heading into the next year for free agency. At least I don't see it, but what do I know? I don't know anything uh, in a lot of ways. Um, we'll see, though. We'll see, ladies and gentlemen. Those are the top, top free agents that I want to keep my eye on. I think Jungle Ho Lee would be the dream. I do. Um, obviously guys like Yamamoto are out there, but me personally, I think they're going to get outbid by other teams that are going to have a little bit deeper pockets for guys like that. Same thing for Otani, same thing for Snell, same thing for Jordan Montgomery, who I think might get overpaid a little bit. Um, so I'm not into it. The Padres are not in a position right now where they can super spend, and I don't think they have to be. So I wouldn't, I would not use today's episode to be discouraged. Um, but I would use today's episode to be like, Hey, if there is a top guy, It'd be one of those two. In my opinion, those would be the two that I'd be interested in. I would want some bats um, just to be a little bit more consistent there because I think that they have um, some moves to make. I'm, I, there is so many different possibilities for the Padres to go in. They could go trade happy. They could blow up their damn farm again and just say, whatever, we'll figure it out later. They could trade for Dylan Cease, Corbin Burns, Devin Williams. Um, heck, they could do Giolito or something like that. I don't know. But they could do all sorts of things. 
They could just be like, hey, Jackson Merrill might be our starting center fielder. Hey, we'll trade Trent Grisham for bullpen help. Hey, we need to offload Cronenworth. That way we can get more value out of first base. Whatever. I can see so many issues. They are not in the worst position ever, guys. And while, yes, I know it's a little bit depressing to hear that they're not going to be in, in my opinion, on a lot of these top free agents, the potential's there. And remember, they weren't actually that bad. They were just heinously, egregiously not good in the clutch. Like, since, like, one of the great unclutch teams ever. The Mets were just bad. The Padres were just unclutch. And I think that they were so historically bad in those situations. That is why so many changes may be on the way. But we'll have to see, ladies and gentlemen. Hopefully you enjoyed today's episode. I know I did enjoying and nerding about, even if it was a little bit more general baseball, about these top free agents. Let me know your thoughts in the comments. You can tweet at me. You can be mean to me. I don't care. Send whatever comments you have, what you want to see improved on the show. If you want to send some thoughtful criticism, that's always welcome. In terms of the future of this podcast, tomorrow, tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be talking with my guy, Ulysses Sombrano of Lockdown Rays, about Tyler Glass now. Is he a potential trade target? We've already traded with the Rays multiple times, multiple times, like three times in the last three years. So that should be a little fun uh, conversation. Going to be talking with my guy, Daniel R. Epstein, who writes for a bunch of different places, including Forbes, talking about his top five destinations for where Juan Soto could be traded. Also going to be talking with later in the week, probably with Lockdown Yankees folks about um, potentially trading Juan Soto to the Yankees. If those rumors are totally legit, a lot of Juan Soto this stuff this week. So that should be a lot of fun, guys. That's just a taste. But until next time, stay safe, of course. Follow me on Twitter, everything. And stay faithful, my fire faithful homies. Take care.